the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are uh, coming to the end of 2 Timothy, and we're looking at the final words of Paul in this letter. And in these last verses, he ends with a few personal words, some instructions and greetings. And we might be uh, left to wonder why they were included in the inspired text. However, the significance is far-reaching here, and if for no other reason because they are Paul's last words under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. As we look at these verses, we're going to see a rare glimpse of Paul the man, some of the frailties of his humanity, and the things that he counts most valuable in his life. And i got to tell you that studying this with that perspective, looking at it from the perspective of it being Paul's last letter has added a little weight to the things that I read because you cannot read this without that perspective, without thinking about where he's writing from and who he's writing to and the impact uh, of, of what he's trying to say here. Now, we know that no man is indispensable to the ministry of God. But Paul was powerful, a powerful illustration because of the Spirit of God. Life lived out through him, a powerful illustration of truth. You know, I I often preach against man-centered gospel. And that's where man is constantly trying to invite God down into his world and see God according to the flesh. What can God do for me here? How's God going to strengthen me here? And the reality of it is that it's totally upside down, isn't it? Because Jesus came down not to be invited into man's world, but to literally make it possible for us to enter into his. And when we look at it from that perspective, we recognize that Everything that we enter into, God wants us to enter into from the context of our spirituality, not from the context of our humanity. And you see that in Paul. Paul has a determination to live out the truth the way the truth is. He sees himself as spiritual. 
He sees the context of his life as being a spiritual work. He sees God intimately involved in all that he is doing. And you know, he doesn't fall into this idea that we need to invite God to where we are. He operates with a with this bold presumption that God is with him. And every child of God has the opportunity to operate in that same presumption because folks, it's fact that we are in the presence of God. And what pulls us away, because what you're going to see in this text, in the final words of Paul, you're going to see people who, who literally abandoned him, people that ran, and people who stayed because the pressure was on. And I, I really believe that the reason people are able to walk away from Christianity, that they're able to just fall headlong back into the world, they're able to desert the truth, is because they've never had an intimate relationship with the truth, with the way, the truth, and the life. And they don't understand a very simple principle, that knowing Christianity is not what we take in, it's what we live out. Knowing is how we express the life that's within us. That's where we know it. In the expression. In the obedience. In the faith working out. That's how we know it. We don't know it by reading books. And we may know it by revelation. You'll hear this from me later. You may know it by revelation. But revelation that is not lived out is just knowledge. Isn't it? And we have so many Christians who have accumulated by both by nurture and by, by location and by all of these things that just literally spirituality and Christianity just rubbed all over them. But they fall away and they run off and they go back into the world and they have all of these issues and they're having all, they're, they're living to the same coping mechanisms that the world is living to. And you say, what's going on? Isn't Christianity work? Well, sure it works when you're living in Christianity. But believing Christianity and knowing Christianity, but never by faith implementing and living out Christianity is not Christianity. Christianity is Christ in you living out the truth. That's Christianity. Okay, but I'm going to read verses 5 through 8 for context. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Paul says to Timothy, But you, Timothy, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Live it out, Timothy. You're wavering. You're doubting. You're fearful. It's time to live it out. To understand who you are. For I am already myself being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to also to those who have loved his appearing. Now, As we pointed out last week, the only hope for fulfilling the ministry of Christ is through yielded obedience to the Spirit of Christ in you. It's His ministry. And He doesn't want to do it without you. He could, but He doesn't want to. A call to obedience is a call to participate, not a call to do. 
So you recognize that when he calls you to participate in him, faithful is he who called you who will also do it. He didn't call me to preach because he says, you know, I think Todd's got talent. We need to put him out there so he can preach because that boy's got some talent. Well, he would have been dead wrong. Because I am not up here preaching because of talent. I'm up here preaching because of the call of God. And because I'm assured that faithful is he who called you who will also do it. And frankly, if he doesn't do it, you got better things to do with your Saturday night. Right? To turn back, to compromise, to value your comfort or self-protection above obedience and devotion in any way will weaken your faith and your resolve to go forward. Paul declares, because I have never turned back, but have valued my communion and obedience to Christ above this world, I am being poured out as a drink offering, as a sweet aroma before the Lord. My sacrifice is counted as precious and worthy to him. I have fought the good fight. Listen, I want you to understand something about what he's saying. This is not one supernatural act of faith after another that he's talking about. This is the struggle of faith on daily, moment-by-moment basis. That's the fight we fight. We get up in the morning, we don't feel very Christian, do we? Some of us. But you usually don't. We don't feel like going out of our way. We don't feel like going beyond our plans. We don't want to be stretched. We don't want to be tested. And we certainly don't want to have to do anything Christian until next weekend. We, we, we. Me, me, me. I, I, I. Well, you know what? I woke up listening to the wrong voice. And the enemy's convincing me of something that is not true. What is true is the person Christ created me to be. What is true is the new creation in union with His Spirit. What is true is that I wake up in the presence of the Lord with a longing to know Him, with a, with a desire to hear His voice, with a desire to commune with Him through the day, to walk with Him. I'm not praying against myself when I pray those things. I'm not trying to create a mood that, that does not exist. I am praying by faith in line with who I am. And I'm saying, you know what? I am not independent here with a bent towards this world and my own selfishness. I am literally a child of God that is made for Him, that desires His presence, that wants to walk in the truth of obedience. Because you know what? I long to express the revelation of Christ so that I may know His love, so that I may know His truth, and I want to be a part of what He's doing in this day. That is the truth of me. That's not just something I read in my daily bread. That's the truth of who I am. And I'm going to embrace it by faith. And yeah, I don't always feel it. And no, I don't always want in my flesh to go forward in those things. But the truth of me always does. That's the truth of me. And I will never grow and I will never mature and I'll never get beyond just knowing about God as long as I try to live in that duality of there's me and there's God and there's what God wants and there's what I want. 
You know, if Christians really understood the truth of who they are, they wouldn't miss a single day. Every day would be a revival for them because they'd be walking with the Lord of glory, literally by faith, holding on to the truth of what God says about them and about himself. We wouldn't be looking to jumpstart our Christianity in the flesh. So this is not just one supernatural event after another. This is him on a moment-by-moment basis fighting to keep the truth alive by faith. The fight is the way we live, not an occasional sacrifice and hardship of momentary conviction or religious renewal. Now look with me at our text, which is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22. Make every effort to come to me soon. This is Paul writing to Timothy. For Demas has loved this present world and has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And Christians has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia, and only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you. He is useful to me for service. But Tychius I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left in Troas with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. And my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord rescued me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom and to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus and Erastus remained at Corinth and Trophimus I left in Miletus and make every effort to come before winter. Ubalus greets you as does Pedans and Linus and Kuldia and all the brethren. The Lord be with you with your spirits. Grace be with you. Now, in verses 9 and 10, Paul is really wanting Timothy to make an effort to come because Timothy is the closest person to him, and he loved Timothy. And he wants to see Timothy before his departure. And Paul knows he's going to be departing soon, and he doesn't have much time. Also, winter is coming, and the seas will be too rough for Timothy to cross if he doesn't leave right away. And there's a hint in this, given his immediate mention of the betrayal of Demas, that Paul might need Timothy to fill some of the void that Demas abandoned. Demas is first mentioned in Colossians 4.14, where Paul is writing the Colossian epistle as a Roman prisoner. And Demas was also mentioned in Philemon 24. But what happened with Demas? 
Well, Paul writes that he deserted Paul, having loved this present world. His devotion seemed sound enough initially to accompany Paul, but at some point, Damas was not prepared to sacrifice his love for this world. He had reserved room in his soul for the comforts of this world. He valued the things of this world more than his relationship with God or the things of God. Now, this is always an indication of a lack of intimacy. Relationships that are not intimate are easily discarded when they're inconvenient. This is never a sudden departure. It is manifested in a divided soul. He could not be selfless and abandoned. It was too much to ask of him because he was insensitive to the magnitude of love and grace that attended his life. And this is what I maintain. That as we grow, as we endeavor to live this life by faith and express this life, we grow in our acquaintance with all that God is to us. We grow in that intimacy with Him. And that intimacy will come to a place for us where He will be more precious to us than what this world can offer us. And that is why Paul was able to say, Oh yeah, I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I'm not going to hide from death. I'm not going to hide from the persecution. I am going to go forward because He is sweeter to me. It's like that song you used to sing, Dad, sweeter to me, more than this world could be. It's the truth. It's the truth. He couldn't be selfless because he was insensitive to the magnitude of the love and grace that attended his life. Are you insensitive to that? Do you wake up every morning and think, you know what? Father, I would love to just have a picture of all the grace that is attending me right now. I'd like to know just maybe a little bit of it. I would like to walk in the truth of it. Because guys, he's holding you together by the word of his power. And you think you may have suffered much in life. You think you may have endured a lot. But you're here by the grace of God. And the pain you feel is not as bad as it could be by the grace of God. And the hardships that you experience are not as horrible as they could have been by the grace of God. And the loved ones that are surrounding you, the precious babe that you're holding in your arms, the love that is being awarded to you by someone else is by the grace of God. You didn't find that person. You didn't pick them out. You didn't choose that baby. You didn't put all that together. You didn't make your life what it is. It is what it is by the grace of God. And you become insensitive to that grace and begin to think, you know what, it's time for me to make some changes. I'm going to assert myself. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to go after that. And you begin to become more and more self-centered, world-centered than God-centered. And that's what Demas had. Or Demas is what they call him. But the truth is his soul was divided. His soul was distracted. He had not considered the cost, which means he was not familiar with the rewards. When you consider the cost of walking with the Lord, you grow with a familiarity of the rewards of walking with the Lord. 
None of you would know God to the degree you do if you had not gone forward in faith in those areas of your life. If you'd not been thrown into a place of total emotional bankruptcy and said, I can't, you would never know that he could. That is how we become more and more intimate with who our God is. And in that intimacy, in the growth of that love, as it expands in the truth of our living, we get to the place where the things of this world grow strangely dim. I see this in failed and failing marriages. Because initially the couple jump into a marriage thinking that they are in love and they'll be able to give beyond what the other party can give. They'll be able to sacrifice. They'll be able to do all these things. But if there's no practice of being selfish, then there will be a practice of being selfish. The problem is that the very definition of a selfless relationship requires you to give it all for the sake of the other. So what happens is when they're sure that it's just too much to ask, they walk away. And you'd be surprised what little it takes for them to walk away. Because the one thing I try to impress upon those young people who are getting married is that marriage is about selflessness. It reveals selfishness, exposes selfishness, and you have a choice at that point to be selfless or for you to separate at the point of selfishness. And the marriage will die by degrees. If you're not ready to be selfless in living single, don't even pursue marriage. So... This is the peril of the modern Christian. They're willing to give and sacrifice as long as it doesn't become too uncomfortable. Comfort and convenience is the priority. And please, I'm not advocating an ascetic Christianity that earns your favor with God in proportion to the amount of suffering you endure. I'm arguing for a greater reward. An intimate relationship with Jesus that rewards you with a greater affection for communion with him. That comforts, that comforts your soul with truth rather than the things of this world. This choice doesn't begin when persecution and suffering threaten your faith. It begins now, right now. As you choose worship over self-indulgence, his communion over distraction, obedience over rebellion, that's where it begins. It starts when you're willing to abandon yourself to his will without rationalizing or excusing living to your desires. Desertion is just one step after another in the direction of your flesh. Abandoning truth is just one step after another in the direction of your flesh. Paul mentions Kreskens. Kreskes was, uh, which we... Is mentioned, we know nothing about, except that Paul had a confidence in him to send him to the church in Galatia, which was not an easy church to manage or to lead. And then there is Titus, and we pronounce it Titus, but that's the way it's said. Titus was uh, sent to Damatia, which is on the eastern shore of the Adriatic Sea. We know very little about that place, except they were famous for an unusual 
breed of dog. I wonder what that was. And we are familiar with Titus because the, of the letter of Paul to Titus, or I'm going to call it Titus because that's what y'all know. The book of Titus was actually written between First and Second Timothy. And we're going to look into that next. We're going to move out of Second Timothy into Titus. And Titus was actually a church builder, an equipper. He was very loyal to Paul and a faithful disciple. Paul wrote of him in Titus 1.4. He says, To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Then Paul writes in verse 11 that only Luke is with him. Now, nobody should be surprised about that. Luke is the faithful friend, the faithful apostle. You see that over and over again, the faithful companion. He is referred to in Colossians 4.14 as Paul's beloved physician. And if anyone needed a physician to travel with him, it'd be Paul. In verse 17 and 18, we move on. These, this is probably one of the, the grandest statements and one of the closing statements that Paul makes. He says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Paul did not stand helpless at the mercy of wicked men. He stood in the presence of the Lord before frail flesh who were too blind to see the all-powerful God that was holding him up. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.